This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mercy Talk. My name is Rachel Thomas, and I am joined here by our Executive Director of Outreach, Melanie Wise. Hey, Mel. Hey, guys. Uh, We're so pumped today. If you've been following us over the last couple of weeks, our heart as mercy, um, just to see God use us as agents in in this reconciliation journey in our world, um, we have felt led to do three things specifically. And we shared this kind of last week and and we say this slowly and and with the humility that only God can give. And that is um, we wanna pause and we wanna pause to, to pray and we want to pause to listen, and we want to pause to reflect. And so last week, uh, I hope that you took some time to pause and to listen um, with us. We shared with you a recording from a panel discussion from some friends of Mercy at Seeds of Greatness Bible Church in Newcastle, Delaware, on the topic of racism. And y'all, just some real talk here. Last week, I listened to the panel myself on a um walk i wish it was a run but it was a walk and uh, it was y'all it was powerful i mean they had an hour of prayer before and to be honest i was i was gonna fast forward to the discussion but i shared right before we we spoke that god just really convicted me that i needed to stop and listen and pray with what you guys were praying with and about and i was i was walking the people driving probably thought i was crazy uh lady because i was like yes lord amen amen like lift my hands it was so powerful and it was so so powerful and so this week is just so special you guys if you haven't had a chance go back and listen to that panel um but yes we have pastors jerome and lisa lewis with here with us here today uh and so we are going to take some more time to just pause and and to listen in this season mel do you have anything to add to that i just you know this learning and listening piece i just believe is so incredibly important right now and um to be completely honest i i don't even i sometimes feel like i don't even know if i should be doing a whole lot of talking about something publicly that i really feel like i'm just now starting to walk out privately and that i'm still really just trying to receive and learn and listen and so honestly guys today i know you're used to hearing rachel and melanie talk a whole lot (laughs) <laughs> You're not going to hear us talk a lot. We just have a lot of questions to ask, and, and we are thrilled today to have um, these guests with us. Mm-hmm. And so we would love to introduce you all to Pastors Jerome and Lisa Lewis, um, who are the pastors of Seeds of Greatness Bible Church in Newcastle, Delaware, that Rachel just mentioned earlier. Um, pastors, thank you guys so much for being with us today. We're so, so grateful. Thank you yeah. for having us. Our pleasure to be here. Awesome. Our pleasure. Well, yeah, if you if you listened to the podcast last week that Rachel mentioned, you will recognize Pastor Lisa's voice as she hosted the panel discussion that we we shared with you all. Um, but 
uh, Seeds of Greatness is a longtime um, just supporter and close friend of Mercy Multiplied of Nancy Alcorn, our founder. Um, Pastor Lisa is actually on our board of directors here at Mercy. Um, so we have forever just been so thankful for our uh, just friendship with you guys. Um, but we also know that, you know, you guys have been shouldering a lot over these uh, past few weeks. And so the fact that you would take time to be with us just really means the world. So, um, but just by way of introduction, we would love it if you guys wouldn't mind just kind of kicking us off by just telling us a little about um, anything about yourself that you'd love to share, your church, your location, just um, to kind of let us get to know you a little better. Well, I'll start, and I know my wife will help me on this. She's a great help me. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we started the church October of uh, 2000, and, um, and that was, gosh, it's, it's hard to believe it's been coming up on 20 years. Wow. It just seems like yesterday. And, and when you look at church, we're relatively a young church. Mm. Uh, and so we started the church, uh, Seeds of Greatness Bible Church, based off of the scripture, uh, 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And one of the things the Lord told us was to begin to call greatness out of the people because mm -hmm. his word is an is a incorruptible seed. Mm -hmm. And so in light of that, we started the church and that's what we've been doing for these 20 years. Mm -hmm. The church, we started with about 53 people to Christiana Hilton, and now we've grown to over 1,300 people every Sunday, two services. And our congregation is a mixed congregation, multicultural congregation. Lots and lots and lots of young people, millennials mm -hmm. in the church. We have a great, <clears throat> a great cross-section of age dynamics, and it gives us the ability to minister to multi-generations mm -hmm. in our church. And so it's been really, really, uh, really, really great just uh, having the opportunity to pastor in such a location. A lot of times people say, the Northeast is a hard area to preach, but it's only hard if, if you're not preaching the gospel. If you're preaching Ooh. the gospel. One of the things that we, we do love about our congregation, it is a, um, a multi-ethnic congregation. We're learning not to say mixed because remember, yeah. <laughs> we learned that during our panel discussion when ah. uh, biracial people do not want to be called mixed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, animals are mixed, dogs are mixed, mm -hmm. but people multi-racial and that's mm -hmm. that's our congregation now the 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 percentages are not where we want them to be we would love to have more uh, other oh, ethnicities yeah. um, in our church and we you know we're open to that but we but that's one of the things we we've always said since day one when we when we mm -hmm. started this ministry that we wanted our church to be a reflection of okay. heaven and mm -hmm. in heaven you know everybody's in heaven together it's not yeah. like the whites are over here, the blacks are over here, the Latinos are over here, Asian the Asians are over here. Mm -hmm. Heaven is like a salad. <laughs> and that's the way we want our salad. You know, I like the good Caesar salad. That's good with just lettuce, but I like it when you throw some tomatoes in there. Yeah. Some black cucumbers, olives. Cucumbers, some black olives, <laughs> yeah. some, some burgundy olives, yeah. you know, oh, some cranberries, yeah. you know. Just, to me. That sounds good. Or just mix it all up. See, now we're getting it. That really is the way we want our church to be, yeah. and that's what we strive for. Um, and and we do our best, and our, our folks do as well, to, mm -hmm. to be welcoming, a welcoming congregation. So, yeah, we've been in this area for about about almost 20 years, and, and we're just so pleased with what God is doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's so good. That's so good. I love that. I, I would love to ask you guys, you know, you shared a little bit before we press record about how after recent events, 
that you guys could not just carry on with a normal Sunday morning. Like you just, your people were, were hurting. And you, I love that you guys responded and were so sensitive to the spirit, but, but also took action and, and prayer was a part of that, but said, Hey, we're going to have an open conversation. We're going to invite people yes. in on this. What other ways, in addition to that panel discussion, are you guys, uh, reaching, you know, your church, your community, what other ways are you guys taking action and have helping other people to have these same conversations? So, so we started with the Sunday after um, George Floyd's uh, murder. We started that Sunday. Um, as you mentioned, Rachel, we came to church that Sunday and our production team didn't even know what we were doing. Um, oh, wow. Because the Holy Spirit had really put it on our heart the night before. We just couldn't go in and do three or four praise and worship songs raise an offering, talk about some upcoming events, and um, and then preach a regular message. Sure. So we decided to go in, and we pulled up a couple of chairs and a table, and we said, let's talk. Wow. So we began the conversation about, you know, the social injustices that have t- been taking place in our country for hundreds of years. Yeah. And uh, my husband shared personally from some of his experiences, um, and then we did the, oh, then we did the Wednesday night panel. Well, well, you know, and in, 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 in watching the video with George Floyd, I know the impact it had on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it was all over social media, the mm-hmm. news and everything. And I know as an African-American male, my experiences that I've experienced with it came down to profiling, being stopped and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I knew how much it hurt me. I mean, literally, I cried for about a half an hour on the back porch watching on our deck. Watching George. Watching the, the, the footage of his uh, arrest and his murder. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I, honestly, that night, that Saturday, I, I, I couldn't even sleep. And I had to get up and preach. And uh, the Lord really was dealing with me really, really, uh, that I couldn't go in. I, I mean, I couldn't even get a message together to wow. preach. And I have been preaching on uh, how to be content mm-hmm. and, uh, during the pandemic. During the pandemic. <laughs> and, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't get my mm-hmm. thoughts together, and so I went into my office and just prayed. Mm-hmm. And when I came out, I said, um, "I'd like to do. I'd like to have a sit-down talk. I don't want to preach. I don't want to teach. I want to sit down and let's talk to the people, because mm-hmm. uh, I knew I was hurting, and I knew the people were hurting. Mm-hmm. But to talk about it and having a multi uh, cultural gener- uh, church, you you have to be sensitive to each and every culture that you're going to be speaking to because you're not trying to elevate one and put the other down mm-hmm. and you're not trying to divide one against the other. Mm-hmm. And so it really took the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. just helping me to finesse what to say mm-hmm. because sometimes what you say can have good intentions but be heard the wrong way. And so I just asked the Holy Spirit to give me the words to say. And I said, what direction do you want me to go in? And he said, inform, educate, and create dialogue. And so that put a responsibility on me to make sure that I was informed Mm -hmm. and to make sure that I was able to educate the congregation. That was one of the responsibilities of the Levite Mm -hmm. was to instruct instruct the people on how to worship God. And so that was the direction that we went in. And from that point, uh, Lisa and I sat down and talked to our congregation that first that first Sunday that we did that. And this is coming up on our fourth Sunday that we've been dealing with this. 
And uh, I knew I couldn't do my Wednesday night Bible study the same way. So we changed the format of that. And that was the panel discussion. Okay. So then after the following week, uh, we continued dealing with this, uh, what I call a pre-existing condition in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the following Wednesday, I- in between there, um, on a Monday, and typically we take Mondays off, yeah, and we have. yeah, and we just clear our schedule. It's our day off just mm-hmm. for relaxation. But so, this particular Monday, so after I got done ministering on that Sunday, that Monday I got up, and the Lord said to me in my prayer room. He said, I want you to get some of your pastor friends together because we live in Wilmington. We live in Newcastle, Delaware, which is a suburb of, of Wilmington, which is the city. And uh, the city that Friday night, Friday and Saturday night, had had protesters, peaceful protesters, but there was also intermingled looters. Mm-hmm. And, right, and one of the things we had to communicate to our people that what they were seeing in the news media was not just one group of people. It was a mixed mm-hmm. bag. You had the peaceful protesters, which is our First Amendment right. right. And then you had the looters who were infiltrating and causing havoc to the city. And so we watched all of this. And that Monday when I got up, uh, the Lord said, I want you to call some of your pastor friends and meet and ask them, would they call some of their friends and meet you in town Wilmington to walk the, to, to walk the street mm-hmm. of Wilmington that was that was that was badly uh, looted and, and, and destroyed. Wow. And so um, I called a bunch of them and I had some co- go with me. I called white pastors, black pastors, didn't make a difference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they were my friends, I was calling them. And so um, I said, meet me at the train station. We're gonna walk the streets of Wilmington. Now one pastor said, well, Market Street, where a lot of the damage was done is closed. They have police presence there. They have mounted horses and everything, it's closed. Wow. And I said, well, we can walk the outside streets mm-hmm. and not walk the main street. And so when we get down there, we had time of prayer. About 10 pastors showed up and uh, we got a phone call from the chief of police in town, Wilmington, and said that the clergy could walk the main street. Mm. And we were able to walk the main street and pray for the businesses, pray for the Mm. city. And the the business owners actually said, thank you. They started clapping. And Jerome felt it important to wear their clerics. Jerome doesn't get up and wear a cleric every Sunday, but he wanted it known that we were representing, you know, the ministry. So they they thanked you. When they saw us, I, I said to all the pastors, wear cleric, because I didn't want us to be mixed in. I wanted mm-hmm. us to stand out as men and women of God. Yeah. I wanted our, I wanted God's presence to be known that if the looters could cause destruction, God's presence could bring peace. Mm-hmm. So we walked down Market Street, prayed over the businesses, prayed over the governmental officials, prayed for restoration, prayed for healing. And, uh, and as we walked wow. and prayed, we prayed over the courthouse and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, so when we got to the end of our walk, we were about to turn around and there was a police presence, a couple of police cars, maybe three, and there was about six police officers and we spoke, wave at them and they thanked us for being there. Uh, and as we were turning to leave, one of the police officers said, can you pray for us? Oh. And, uh, and so we, we all, as ministers, uh, we laid hands on them. And first thing I did when he asked us to pray, I said, can we touch you? Because I'm learning that, you know, you don't go up on the mountain and put your hands on it. And so I asked them, I said, can we pray for you? And they took their mask off. They took their hats off and they bowed their heads and we prayed for them. And uh, so that was on a Monday. That coming Friday, they were having a march in town, Wilmington, the same area. 
expecting about 5,000 people. That was Friday. Well, we get a call on uh, Thursday from one of the pastors saying that the chief of police would like for the clergy to come and be a presence there. And we went to the march, and it was probably one of the most organized, peaceful marches without any violence or anything in the city. No looting or anything anything in the city. And one of the things we were declaring when we were there, we we were calling peace Mm. to the city. Because there's a scripture in the book of Isaiah says that uh, there's no restoration because no one called for it. Mm. Wow. So we begin to call forth restoration and peace to the city. And so I was there at that rally on Friday night with over 5,000 people. Wow. And I, I listened to them and they were upset. The, the language was vulgar, but not one time did they, did they say, we want, we want Democrats. It was not a political rally at mm. all. It, it was a humanity yeah. It dealt with humanity and it dealt with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. It, was, it was a Black Lives Matter meeting. And they talked about injustice. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things, a few of the things that we've done. One, one thing that we did last week. This, this past Wednesday. Yeah, this past Wednesday, we did a, um, instead of a regular Wednesday night Bible study, the week before we had done the panel, this past Wednesday, we had two police officers. We've got lots of police officers as members of SEAS. Yeah. And we pulled two. Um, to ask them to have a discussion, you know, wow. continuing our talk. Yes. And we had one retired state trooper, and then we had another officer. He was younger, uh, probably mm-hmm. half the other guy's age. And we just we just talked with them. Mm-hmm. And um, our, the retired state trooper told, talked about his experience. And he and he he himself has been profiled, racially profiled. Mm-hmm. You know, they pull him over. They see a black guy driving whatever kind of car pulled him over. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He's a state trooper. And, um, and then when he pulled out his credentials and his badges in there, the guy just walked away and got in his car and left. But you you can see how stuff like that happens. The Mm -hmm. younger guy, he is amazing. He was an officer in the city of Wilmington and he's been recognized like on our, our, Philadelphia news channels and everything because he does what they call a lot of community police work. He Mm. will get in there. He's on his beat and he will um, get out the car and shoot baskets with the basketball with the the young young guys. You know, they're on the streets in Wilmington. Um, Another time a guy was upset. He's a football player during the pandemic and he couldn't work out. He couldn't go to the gym. So Josh said, "Um, I'll come back on my lunch hour. And Josh went home and got some um, some of his hand weights and and uh, just worked out with this this kid for a number of days just in the, outside the boys' home. Wow. So it's like we know all police are not bad. Mm-hmm. We know that. Mm-hmm. Well, and having those two police officers there, uh, we we wanted them to talk about and give some instruction uh, mm-hmm. to our young males, African American males. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you get stopped? Mm-hmm. How how do you speak to the police officer? What, what if, like for me, I have wear glasses, so I have tinted windows in my, in my vehicle. And uh, one of the things they encourage you is put down all of your tinted windows mm-hmm. so that when the officer walks up, he can see in your car. Mm-hmm. If it's at nighttime, keep your hands at uh, nine o'clock and what is it? Uh, three and nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Right. Turn your inside light on. These mm-hmm. were some of the instructions that the police officers were giving that a lot of times people don't know. But your dad, then this is a conversation that happens in African-American families. When Jerome started driving, his dad had that talk with him. Wow. This is what we do yeah. in African-American families. Wow. We have this talk, especially with our yeah, sons. Son. 
and we need to do it with our daughters as well. Tony Evans just did a great, um, a great uh, talk um, mm. recently, and Tony Evans said he, you know, this is what we yeah, do. I think so he was on. Was he with he was on with, TVN or something? Was, there was a uh, there was a, a meeting between Matt Crouch, Kirk Franklin, Robert Mars, and Tony Evans. Mm. Uh, Kirk Franklin uh, wanted to talk because there was some dis disparities there. And so they got together and had conversation. And Tony Evans was one of the uh, one of the speakers, and he was saying in the African American home, uh, most African American fathers have had that talk with their son the moment they start driving. And you know, the other two panelists who were white, and I love the the, the diversity. diversity. You had Matt Crouch and Robert Marsh who were white. You had Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans, and Kirk Franklin who were who were black. And they were able to talk about the difference in the cultures and the difference in how we raise our children. The information that was given by uh, Dr. Rock, uh, Tony Evans, he had that talk with his son. Robert Morris didn't have to have that talk with his mm. son. Yeah. So it's really, it's really, some of the things that we're doing um, yeah. that you yeah. asked, Rachel, those are some of the conversations yeah. That, yeah. that we've been having and we just talking just like we're talking right now yeah. you know, it's not real churchy you know we'll use a few scriptures you know because everything we do is yeah. based on the word of god yeah. right. and god is a god of justice yeah so you know That's he great. hates robbery and wrong mm -hmm. so yeah. um, everything great. we're doing is based on the word of god Hey everyone, it's Melanie here again, and we just continue to invite you to join us in pausing to pray, in pausing to listen, and in pausing to reflect. And we are very expectant for God to, to move in a very powerful way. We love you all, and we hope that you are both challenged and also encouraged by this. Amen. I just, I love that you guys are modeling the conversation piece, because I just feel like that's like that that's it's so 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 needed um and so i love that you're even modeling that on your stage and with what you're sharing with people is like we're just we're gonna talk and we're gonna because what i think is so great is that what i've been able to see that you guys have shared um it's just it's grace-filled conversation it's conversation that is really seeking to learn and listen and share um it's just it's such a beautiful picture of what I would hope and pray all conversations can be right now. Um, I do want to ask, I, we may be asking this towards the end, but I want to make sure if yeah. people want to, I know that I was able to, uh, you know, last week we shared on the podcast, the panel conversation, but I also was able to watch the talk that you guys did on that very first Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. And it was powerful. It was so good. I also don't know how I saw this, but I saw the video that you guys put together when you guys went out to pray, Pastor Jerome, yeah. um, which was so good. But now hearing some of the backstory, I'm like, oh, I want to go watch that again. Yeah. I didn't know that the police officers asked you to come over and pray. And I didn't know that, you know, you got permission to pray on the street that you prayed yeah. on. So that's just amazing. Yeah. Where, if people want to be able to see any of that, is there a specific place that they could go? Or I'm assuming on your website, your Sunday and Wednesday nights. It's uh, it's on our Instagram page. Okay. okay. So SOG Bible Church is our Instagram. It's also on our Facebook page. Um, oh, so they just have to scroll down. Um, it's on our Facebook page. The uh, the message on that Sunday was Sunday, uh, May 31st mm -hmm. is when we first decided to sit down and have that talk. So if you, if you go to our, um, our website, uh, and go through our, 
uh, live stream archives. Okay. You will see, um, you will see that message. And they're probably all on Facebook as well. And that clip um, also probably on um, our YouTube channel. Mm, okay. Which is Seeds TV. Um, so, yeah, it's in a lot of different, yeah. a lot of yeah. different places. It's so it's so good. I could not encourage all of our listeners enough to go in. Um, and I mean, everything that I've seen that you guys have been sharing has just been very, very impactful. Um, and, and even with what you have already shared, even today, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about this and I could not possibly agree more yeah. that the church, the global big church mm-hmm. has got to lead the way in this and that we have got to see this from a very spiritual realm, not from the physical, um, that if we battle in the flesh and blood, it's going to just completely limit the power. And um, I, I absolutely believe um, that this is an issue that bumps up so hard against the gospel mm-hmm. that we as the church absolutely cannot ignore it. And, and so I'm very curious to know from your perspective as pastors, what do you feel like it looks like for the church to really lead the way? Mm, that's good. For me as a pastor, um, when I teach, we, we have a thing at our church called Healing School. And we've been doing this for over 13 years. And one of the things that we try to do <clears throat> is bring balance to the teaching on healing. We know that healing is spiritual. Mm. but it manifests in the natural. Mm-hmm. So we can't just deal with the spiritual side of it. We got to deal with the natural side of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is a natural side mm-hmm. and there is a spiritual side mm-hmm. to healing. And this is a spiritual issue, mm-hmm. yeah. but there's a natural side we got to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't have the balance of, of dealing with both sides of it we're going to go overboard with throwing scriptures at a problem, mm. but not putting any policies in place for so change. Racism is, That's a, you see? is a spiritual problem. Racism is nothing more than the, it's like having an infection mm. and it finally breaks the surface. Mm-hmm. All right. It's it, the breaking of the surface of racism is hate. Mm. It's hate. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's something that, as I've said before, it's something that has been like a pre-existing condition. Mm-hmm. You know, what I've learned about pre-existing conditions is, is that if you have a pre-existing condition, it can prevent you from getting the necessary surgery. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing you have to do is you have to deal with the pre-existing condition. Like if you have high blood pressure, it's out of control. It's, they won't allow you to have certain types of surgery if that high blood pressure is not controlled. Sure. And so that pre-existing condition can prevent you from getting the help that you need. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. For me, when this nation was born and slaves were brought from Africa, took in, taken to Jamestown in 1600, mm. when, the, when the slaves were brought here, they were brought here and put in a place of looking at as inferior. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that makes it bad for the church is that Christian men were able to have slaves Mm -hmm. and it was condoned by the church. Mm -hmm. And that was at the very beginning when the slaves were brought here. The birth of this nation was was birthed with a defect. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that 
America was built with a birth defect. Yeah. Yeah. And that birth defect has never been addressed Mm -hmm. in the church Mm -hmm. that condoned it Mm -hmm. at its inception. Yeah. And as a result of this, you have a separation in the church that should have never Mm -hmm. taken place because the scripture bears it out that God created us one blood. Mm -hmm. It's in Acts chapter 17, one blood. And so if it's one blood, then that means my blood and your blood was created by the creator. But what Mm -hmm. has happened through history is, is that when the slaves were brought here, their blood was considered inferior. White blood was considered superior. Mm -hmm. And that has been passed down for generations. Now, some people say, well, that happened to our ancestors. That was long ago. The sad thing about it is it did happen long ago, but whites have been benefiting from that. Mm -hmm. And it's never been addressed. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why we've been dealing with this and and dealing with the history of it. I said on Sunday, a lot of things that were, this nation was built on, and God bless America, but America has to has to fix some of the internal mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if not, we're not. Is God really blessing America? Mm-hmm. I think that in America we have the perception that God is an American God mm-hmm. that He originated here. Man, you gonna preach? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow. this, this I, is I, good. I, yeah. He's not just an American God, and, and I think sometimes we have these ideologies that. Uh, America is a Christian nation. Mm -hmm. Is it really? Mm -hmm. And these are some of the questions that uh, I think about. And sometimes, well, (laughs) (laughs) I I think in answer to your question, one of the things that that we are trying to do is really to educate, educate, educate people. You know, and not just and and some of this is educating even African Americans, but also uh, educating our other races as well. One of the things I really loved about our panel discussion was um, Sharon. At the uh, Sharon was the last speaker on the panel discussion. Sharon is in her early forties. She's white. We were her youth pastors. Her parents are in leadership at our church. church. Elders in our church. And Sharon, over the last. I don't know, three or four years, three years has taken it upon herself to educate herself yeah. where racism is concerned. Mm-hmm. It's, and she, I mean, she's passionate about yeah, this. It's, it's not comfortable for her. You know, some white people look at her cross-eyed and, yeah. you know, she's, she has, she's going in on people. <laughs> um, but it's just because she, she's so passionate and about she's it. And, she, it. She's, and seen she's seen it. it and and again we've known her since she was a little girl so mm-hmm. we've known her all of her life but this and she's I, quite honestly she's the only white person i know who's done who's done what she's done mm-hmm. and she's done uh, she's done some really really hard work mm-hmm. really hard she work course, though. she did a she did a weekend seminar um and then from there she took it upon herself to learn even more and she's become, so when we talked about doing that panel discussion, we thought it would be good to invite, because she could say things that, um, you know, Jerome and I might not be, well, we could say it, but it might not be received, Mm. like it could be received from her, and it's Mm. not all really received well from her, but the girl has got some good stuff on the inside of her. So um, um, that we thought that That having her, on that panel would really, so it's really all about educating. And, and I think in talking, having the dialogue and, 
And, you know, a lot of people use this kind of cliche, like some of my best friends are white or some of my best friends are black. But for us, that's really the case. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we have friends, we travel together, they're, you know, they're, they're white. We go on vacation together. We got good friends who are Hispanic, you know, we, so we, we, we live what we're talking about. Yes, yes. We live what we talk about. And if anybody has questions, we ask each and other, and we, you know, and it's not, again, it's not always comfortable, and, and but I think, we do it. And I think the thing is that, um, I, I appreciate about our friends and our friendship and even this conversation we've got to get over the fear of saying the wrong thing because mm. I think sometimes fear has kept us separated for so long that how what 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 does because uh, I had someone say this to me what do black people want to be called black negro colored or what I've had people say that to me mm. and they said it in a way of I don't know and I don't want to offend. Well, I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But if you have a fear of even asking that question, then you will go forward thinking that I just won't say anything. And the silence is not helping anything either. Right. You know, so I think the, the, the thing I'm, not, is, I'm about to duck out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're talking to me right now. <laughs> but, but I think the fear, don't know that we literally had this conversation right before we hit record. <laughs> And that's what I, that's what I tried to do as a pastor. Even when I talk this, these conversations talking about race is not easy for me as a pastor being mm-hmm. a black man, even though I've experienced it because my desire is not to offend. My desire is not to make people angry. My, de- my desire is not to get revenge. That mm-hmm. is not Mm. Uh, black people's uh, desire. They just want to be heard. Mm. They want empathy and they want people to invite them to the table to be a part of the conversation. A lot of times changes are made and we're not even sitting at the table. Mm. And so I think, I think sometimes we've got to get over the fear of, of knowing we've got to know the people we're talking to because Mm. our friends love us. We love them. If they say something wrong, I am going to correct it and not silently laugh at it. Right. And at the same token, if, they, if they're not informed, I'm going to educate them. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I would expect the same thing. We were having a conversation. We were having a conversation after the panel discussion, and we were talking about phrases and terms that people use. And one gentleman asked, could he, a, a phrase that uh, we use, sometimes uh, we use the word nigger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes... I always cringe whenever he says that. Well, but he's but, but <laughs> using it in a certain context but, right but now. See, <laughs> but see, the thing is that happens is we don't talk about it, yeah. so people don't know mm-hmm. how offensive and the history of why it hurts. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, we don't talk about it. And so we talked about this. We talked about it after our panel discussion. There were whites and blacks there, and we started talking using these phrases, mm-hmm. not in an offensive way, but in a way of why and educate me. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking, one of the white gentlemen said, well, I guess the word nigger is equivalent to redneck among our culture. And that is offensive for a white person to be called a redneck. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But because he said in some context. In some context. In some, it's all right. And this is what he said. It's all right for, for you to call each other that. Yeah. In some, in some circles. Right. Mm-hmm. But... 
you know, we shouldn't do that. And it's the same way, you know, and no, th these are all like really touchy touchy things, but, but they're uh, things, that but need to be about. things that need to be talked about that have, you know, good and, and race I'm, relations. I'm, I'm, of, I'm of the mindset and I'm of the age in my life. I will talk about these things because the key to conversation is being understood. Mm -hmm. Wow. Being understood. You don't have to agree. Still learning that. <laughs> married. I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm not out to prove that I'm right. But, okay. Right. But that, that's another podcast. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I have y'all back, <laughs> okay? But the key is being understood. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we don't always have to agree. Man, that's but good. when you understand me, then there's a level of respect that we have. Right. Wow. That's really, really good. Oh my goodness, there's so many things. I have a yeah. hundred questions that keep popping yeah. up as you guys have talked, but um, yeah. something that um, I was just reminded of, I think, um, Pastor Jerome, you were talking about how America was born with a defect. Mm -hmm. And um, something, a conversation that I was having just this last week with um, our executive director of Mercy in the UK, yeah. which I didn't realize how much this was impacting the whole world, that there were the protests world. over mm -hmm. in Europe. I mean, yes. I did not yes. realize that. Um, but so we were just sharing some and, and it was just, it was just funny because we both had this moment where we realized, you know, if you've been around mercy for long, if you've listened to mercy talk, um, like we, we literally are a transformation ministry. That's what we're about. Yeah. And we really base so much of that on this idea that, you know, we do have external, I mean, personally, like we all have external issues and struggles that, you know, everybody around us can maybe see, or maybe we hide it really well, but it's external, but there is a root system underneath those mm -hmm. issues. And there is a belief system mm -hmm. under those issues Absolutely. that sometimes we don't ever even know is happening or operating mm -hmm. underneath. We focus mm -hmm. all our time trying to fix stuff on the outside, not realizing there is some deep rooted stuff inside of us informing those struggles. And it was just interesting because we realized this is literally us right now. And I'm realizing for myself, there is a root system underneath my life in this specific area. And there's even a belief system that has informed me since I was born that I may not even realize was happening. Right, and right. so I know for me, part of the work is actually starting there to say, there's, there's a book that was recommended to me um, basically that is, is built on this idea that, hey, white people, if you don't think you have a culture <laughs> that has been informing you since yeah. the beginning, mm. you probably need to think again. And you probably What's the book? What book is that? called Quite Awake. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I've barely gotten started on it, but um, it was actually written by, uh, I don't know if he's currently, if it's either a current or former pastor at Willow Creek. Mm -hmm. um, and he was actually, it's just, it's interesting talking to you guys because I feel like you are one of the few churches that I feel like you've you've done it you really do have this beautiful um just multicultural um community within your church and um he was talking about how he really wanted to build that in the young adults ministry at Willow Creek yeah, and he was yeah. like yeah we're gonna have all of these different people of different races coming together and it's gonna be great at their very first event all white people <laughs> and so he started realizing like maybe i don't know what i'm doing here and he started meeting with some other pastors around chicago and they were the ones who challenged him to say hey 
Have you ever taken a look at your own, at what it means to be white mm. and what you have been kind of taught and the root system underneath your culture? It, it was yeah. funny. He shared a story at a wedding that he was talking to someone who um, had this beautiful um, Indian themes like wedding and lots of cultural things that they had incorporated. And he, he actually said to the groom, I think it's so cool. Your culture is so awesome. And I love that you got to bring your culture into your wedding. I wish I had a culture. Mm. And the friend looked at him and said, oh, <laughs> you don't think you have a culture. <laughs> you know? And so it was just, and so that's kind of for me where it's starting. I just, I only say that to really just, um, agree with what you were saying that there is something deep down in our root structure as a country and therefore in our individual lives that we need to take a look at and it's really important um and so you know i can imagine that there are a hundred things that you would like to say but if, if you could have like if you could say okay our top word of encouragement to white men and women right now and then maybe our top word of encouragement right now to black men and women mm -hmm. what would you say my word to uh, our black the black brothers and sisters is that be angry mm. but sin not mm. and you know with when it comes down to the anger part I was angry when I saw that clip mm -hmm. George of George Floyd, but it motivated me to do something to bring about change. Mm. And so that emotion is real. We can't deny the emotion, even though we walk by faith, mm. we can't deny the emotion of how people feel. Mm -hmm. We have to address it because if we don't address the feeling and the emotion, then we're telling them that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And what people are feeling right now, the young people. Where, do you? I, I personally believe, and this is, and I, I this is to the blacks that I'm saying, because there's in these marches that I was at uh, a week ago, there was blacks, whites, Latinos, Asians, young and old, mm -hmm. and uh, they were there was a level of solidarity there mm -hmm. that we haven't seen. I personally think that when I, I love the title "Wait a Week." Uh, you know, one of the things the church has been praying for is an awakening. Yeah. They've been praying for an outpouring. I personally believe this is an awakening, not just to America, but this is an awakening to the entire world. Wow. And I think that this, this, this spiritual event, which I think it is, mm. I think that we're looking at it from the natural, not realizing that this is not something that's confined to America. This is happening around the world. Yeah. And I think sometimes God comes through a different door than we expect, and we don't necessarily attribute this as a move of God. Mm. Mm, and so to my black brothers, I would say, be angry and sin not. Mm. But let your anger fuel you to be an agent of change. Yeah. To my white brothers, show some empathy mm. and not desensitize yourself to it by yeah. being silent. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you for those words. I mean, I'm just, I'm, as Mel has kind of said already, like so much of this journey um, is bringing up those those root systems, those things. And when I'm finding a lot in my own life, um, even in own pl close personal circles is just this struggle of, of 
of defensiveness, but also defensiveness because of denial. Like, wait, that can't be, but wait, that's not what I learned, but wait, that's not what I thought. Mm-hmm. And, and, and working through that long enough to cut to, to not have to defend your position, but to put arms down and to listen. Mm-hmm. And so you guys have really fostered and cultivated that environment in your church by creating these, these tables. And even pastor Jerome, what you were saying, I love it about how, like this is going to be uncomfortable, but come to the table, like mm-hmm. come to the table and have a conversation. And I just thank you for, um, thank you for modeling that so well. Like I, it's, it is making an, a spiritual and eternal impact in my own life, not only from the panel discussion, but from our discussion today. And um, Pastor Lisa, you're talking about Sharon and um, it was just, it was wonderful hearing just even some of the, um, the gentle rebuke, as I'll call it, you know, for, for white men and women, just to, to do some, of, you're going to have to do this, some of this hard work yourself. Like you, right. I really think, I, I mean, I'm convicted of this in my own life. You have to, we have to do that because we have to go through that process ourselves for God to work in, in us and work out those. Anyways, He's doing it on me, and I just am so grateful that you guys um, are just being so kind and gracious and and allowing us to ask questions and come to the table. And so before we sign off here, I just wanted to, to hear from you guys in this work. Uh, how do you not grow weary or how do you not grow faint-hearted or, or that fatigue? I know, Pastor Lisa, you were sharing a story about, you know, this is hard work and you start to feel that, but can you imagine being on the recipient end your whole life? I mean, that's, that's exhausting. And so I guess, again, pastors speaking to both sides for our black brothers and sisters, how do you not grow weary for those of us in the white community? How do we do the hard work and not um, grow faint and see that this is, this is eternal like kingdom work here. This is not just, you know, a one-time event and it's done. It it is tiring work. It's tiring um, because it's emotional, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it, when your emotions like the George Floyd, quite honestly, I saw clips. I wouldn't watch it. It was just Mm -hmm. too much for me to watch. And I found for myself that, you know, I'm listening, I'm learning. And I tried all my life to, to learn African-American history and, and things like that. But now I'm finding out things that I thought I, I thought I knew stuff, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things I really didn't know. And um, I think you just have to, you, you have to look to the spiritual side and, and continue to build yourself up spiritually. Because if you're just all into, you know, what's happening, the social injustice and just that, that is going to pull, it, you know, you're do, doing positive, good work, but I think it could just be draining. So I think we have to maintain the balance and, you know, maintain our spirits as well, whether it's praise and worship, listening to good sermons um, and balance it out, not just do one thing. And, you know, I, I shared earlier with you all that I had seen um, a clip recently where um, a white person said, you know, we're tired of hearing about racism all the time. And the answer that we have as black people, well, imagine how we feel. We experience it all the time. Mm-hmm. So whereas white people are just hearing about it, we are experiencing it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and many of us are able to work through it. We're able to work through it. But some men, some young men in these um, 
communities where poverty and drugs and they're they're not able to work through it and they're really angry and they really i think uh martin luther king said rioting is the language of the unheard yeah. Yeah. They, and i'm not we don't condone rioting and all that but they just don't feel heard yeah this is something that they do i'm hurting you know yeah. somebody punches a hole in the wall they're just not wanting to punch a hole in the wall that's frustration they're unleashing Right. And that's really what's happening in our communities. But I really think, you know, it's up to us as a church to kind of balance it and make sure that we're keeping our, our spirit man fed as well as, you know, educating ourselves um, and things yeah. of that nature. Same way on the other side. I started listening to um, a book called White Fragility. Yes. And, it, and, and I'm doing it, the audio. That book was hard for me to mm. hear. Mm. I'm black. So I can imagine, you know, because it's basically saying basically everything you're doing, you know, it's you, you got to rethink everything. Yeah. And um, it's really, really hard. Um, but the work is hard. But I think we do need to strike a balance and make sure that we're um, keeping our spirit man strong um, and, you know, doing whatever we need to do to make that happen. And, and I think one of the things that helps me to because uh, I. I I've been really, um, you know, we, we deal with things differently. Um, watching and getting the information drains her. Mm -hmm. For me, it's information that helps me to understand even more. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that keeps me motivated is my family. Mm -hmm. uh, if we don't do something this generation, mm -hmm. there's going to be a continuation. I have two granddaughters. Mm -hmm. My son is an African-American male. That's not four times last year. My daughter-in-law is biracial. Mm. Her mother is African-American, her father is white. I have two beautiful granddaughters who are biracial. If I sit silently by and do nothing, mm -hmm. then they have to carry the weight of this responsibility mm -hmm. wow. in their adulthood. Yeah. And so it's imperative for this generation to be agents of change mm -hmm. because if we don't sit, if we, if we sit idly by and then our grandchildren, our sons and our daughter's children will carry the weight that our parents carry mm -hmm. and we'll be carrying and they'll be carrying that weight also. Mm -hmm. So that, that is fuel for me to make sure that they grow up, that they're not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mm -hmm. okay. That was so good. Yes. I think um, in you in you saying that, I'm reminded that with that idea of like the fatigue that can set in, the importance of us keeping the long view in mind here. That's right. Um, That's right. It's uh, one of the one of our quotes in Keys to Freedom. You know, is it's not about just here and now. It's about them and then. That's yes. exactly it's right. About, it is about our kids, and it's. Um, you know, I was saying before we even jumped on this call, Rachel and I both are raising white boys. And I'm like, I have a responsibility Absolutely. to the next generation. Absolutely. Um, and, and so I, I think you're right on, Lisa, with what you shared. It is emotional. I remember after the first week or two of this, I felt like it really truly was, and I appreciate you acknowledging it was emotional for everyone. <laughs> it's been really emotionally taxing. And then it's kind of like some of that, there was there was some level of like, 
breathing. And then it was like, oh, now the work begins. <laughs> and I feel exhausted already, you know, starting. And so, um, but, but keeping that long view in mind, I love your encouragement to keep the spirit man filled. Um, that is where the strength and the power and the energy comes. Yeah. Um, and really, truly keeping the generational picture in mind. Um, and, and I just, I think that is also on point and important for us to hear. Um, so I feel like we could go on and on and on. <laughs> we probably could. <laughs> but I, I do want to just ask before we sign off today, is there anything else? I'll ask kind of two-part question here. Is there anything else that is just really burning on your hearts to share um, with everyone before we sign off? Also, is there anything at all that um, you would recommend? I know we've mentioned a few resources here today. Is there anything that you would specifically recommend to our listeners um, I know we mentioned being able to find your church online on social media. Um, so anything else that you'd like to share or any resources that you'd recommend before we sign off today? Well, the thing is, um, in, in dealing with what's happening in our country today, this is not a surprise to God. Yeah. Mm. We've come to the kingdom for such an hour as this. Mm. And of all of the times that we could have all been born, we were born now. Mm, wow. And God knew this was going to happen. Mm. He would not have us in the most powerful organization in the world, church. the church, mm -hmm. and not give us an answer to the problem. Mm, wow. He's too great of a God to do that. And if the problem started with the church, the problem can be fixed coming out of the church. Yeah. And the scripture says that a judgment starts at the house of God. This is a judgment call that the church cannot be divided on. Mm -hmm. Because if we're a divided house, we won't stand. We've got to unify on this issue and call wrong, wrong from the White House to the church house. Yeah, man. And we can't keep silent. And even if we don't understand what you've done today and showing empathy and inviting us to the table, Gives us an opportunity for our voice to change, for, to bring about change, not only by you hearing us, but us hearing you. Mm. And I think for the most part, we haven't been hearing each other. Yeah. Sitting down at the table and talking, that's a place where you actually is to break bread and to have conversation. And you created that table for us to sit at. Mm. And so we greatly appreciate you caring enough to want to talk to us. Mm -hmm. A lot of times because of our fear of one another, because of the color of our skin or the preconceived ideas that have been passed along generationally, we haven't even been talking to one another out of fear. Mm -hmm. And we come to find out when we talk, we've got the same blood. <laughs> and we have nothing to be afraid of mm -hmm. except our silence. Wow, that's, yeah. so that's really good. I, that's, uh, and I, I do have something else, but that's one of the things I love about Mercy, love about uh, Nancy and Christy. Um, you know, we met Nancy more than 10 years ago. Yep. And I'll never forget, we're driving, picked her up from Talking the airport. About football. And we made an instant <laughs> connection. We made, it, was a, it was a kingdom connection right then. Right then. And, and um, over the past several months, even before George Floyd's murder, uh, Christy, who was the CEO of Mercy, she and I began having some really great discussions on race and things like that. So we were ahead of this, yeah. you know, and I, that's what I love, love about Mercy. Yeah. You know, 
you know, just the fact that we can have those kind of conversations. And it was real fluid with Christy and I. It wasn't even uncomfortable. We were just mm-hmm. chatting. And this and it came up. So when this happened, yeah. So when this happened, when this happened, you know, we just revisited the conversation, you know, and and here we are today. One of the things that I'd like to leave um, you know, the audience with today is something that I heard Tony Evans say, and I thought it was powerful. Tony Evans pastors a very large church in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. He's Anthony Evans' father. He's Priscilla Schreier's father. They have two other children as well. But one of the things that he said, and I just never heard it put like this, we all can agree that, especially in the Christian community, that life inside the womb is sacred. Mm. Right? Life inside the womb is sacred. But Tony Evans said, life from the womb to the tomb is sacred as well. And that hasn't always been the case for Mm African-American men and women. Mm. Life from the womb to the tomb is sacred as well. And I think people need to see it that way. I heard somebody say, did anybody ever tell people that if you just uh, didn't break the law, you wouldn't have trouble with the police? That's not always the case for us. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you have uh, Trayvon Martin. Yeah. He had Skittles and a, some iced tea and, some shot, and shot down. Yeah. You have the, the guy who was in, in his apartment eating ice cream. Mm-hmm. A police officer There's thinks that's his her apartment, goes in, sees him, and shoots him. Yeah. Um, people in their car, you know, woman uh, in her bed asleep just a few weeks ago. I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she gets her apartment. She gets shot and killed like seven times. Yeah. Ahmaud Aubrey. And, and we have this thing. It's like, you know, you, your charge is driving while black, living while black, sleeping while black. Yeah. That, that's not right. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what African-Americans, we want justice. We want equality. We want white America to acknowledge that racism really does exist. Yeah. Don't say it's just something in our heads. Get over it. That's like telling Jewish people to get over the Holocaust. Wow, yeah. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't dream of saying it. But we hear it all the time. Just get over it. This mm. is 2020, you know? We, we don't just get over it. We have to work our way through. And we've done that. We've done that and been able to do that. But And and still, we have obstacles. We have people all the time that judge us by the color of our skin. Yeah. You know, and then oh oh oh, you're the pastor. See, it's a greatness. Oh, okay, See, but just as a regular black man, he gets entirely different treatment. Yeah, outside the church, inside of Seeds of Greatness, I'm Pastor Jerome. Mm-hmm. Outside the church, I'm a black man with a beard. I, mm-hmm. I had someone say to me, uh, a white gentleman. He said to me, he said, um, I've experienced prejudice. I've not when I went to Europe and I went to Paris and I've been to different places overseas. And I, w- I experienced prejudice because I'm an American. And I said, I can appreciate that. I said, I'm an American too. So I would be discriminated because I'm an American. I said, but also, I'd have to deal with it because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you deal with it in America. And I deal with it in America. <laughs> my, my, father, my father told me a story about when he fought during World War II and he was over in Europe. And he was, the people, Europeans were running behind the American soldiers, the black ones, and looking to see if they had tails because they were taught that American blacks had tails, they were monkeys. And when he came back, when he came back to America, my father, he couldn't even, he was fighting for a country Mm. that he couldn't even eat at the lunch counter. Mm. 
he couldn't even drink out of water fountain. Mm -hmm. And he's fighting for the country. Yeah. And so those are the things that, you know, for me, I know what my father experienced. And those things are real. Mm -hmm. And I think the, a key word for, for white America is empathy. Yeah. The definition of empathy means to understand and share the feelings of others. Mm -hmm. And a word that's synonymous to empathy is compassion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's the key thing, you know, that when, when uh, you see injustice, showing empathy and compassion. Yeah, yeah. So good. That's so good. Thank you, guys. I, I can't tell you what a gift this was today. Um, and, and I also, I just... I'm so grateful for you being so kind, but also saying the hard things with grace and truth. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Thank um, you. Yeah, it just, I, I'm, if I tear up, it's because the Lord has been doing a deep work in my heart. And this is just confirmation of um, keep on keeping on, you know, take courage, take heart. Uh, you know, I just, I'm so, I, I leave, I say this to say, I leave this conversation um, with the great responsibility, but also excited to see yeah. and to pray into what God yes. wants to do yes. yeah. in our country. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Like we said earlier, if you guys want to check out, and please, we encourage you to check out that earlier panel discussion. You can find that on Mercy, or you can go um, on the Instagram page for Seeds of Greatness or their Facebook page and see some of those other content material there and the, the videos and such. But thank you, Pastor Jerome and Pastor Lisa, for being with us today on Mercy Talk. It was our honor. Thank you for having us. You got Thank it. you. Thank you, guys. You got it. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye-bye. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd love for you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also find previous episodes there. Mercy Multiplied is a nonprofit organization completely funded by our donors. We're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them. If you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially, head over to mercymultiplied.com.